Hello and welcome to the Kinetic Fitness Show, where we inspire you to live a longer, healthier, happy, and more joyful life. We cover everything you need to know to be optimally healthy in your mind, body, and spirit. Are you ready to become the ultimate version of yourself? Well, let's dive into another episode with your host and guide by your side, Allie West. Hi, Daniel. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me, Ali. Really great to be here. My pleasure. I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, a very different and maybe diverse angle and topics to what we maybe normally speak about on this podcast, but I'm really looking forward to sharing this one with my audience and, and diving into your knowledge and wisdom and expertise on this area of psychedelic therapy. Before we do that, before we get into the, the more meaty stuff, you could say, uh, of this episode, would you be able to just share your, your story with myself and with the listeners and the audience? I always think this is a great place to start so we can get to know a little bit more about you, what you've done and, and how you're currently helping people and what it is you currently do. And then we will we'll go from there. Yeah, I'd be happy to. You know, I was thinking about that question before we got on and how I was going to um, share about myself. I, you know, I think the, the number one thing to share is that uh, I've always been a little different um, and interested in different fields of study. And in my early 20s or so, I started to explore psychedelics and became a member of uh, some underground psychedelic communities that were a really special period of my life. Um, but then I realized about 10 years into that that I wanted to go back to school and study psychology um, become a psychotherapist um, with the intention of becoming a psychedelic um, uh, therapist. And, um, and at that time, uh, I went to Naropa University and got my master's in transpersonal counseling psychology. Uh, and at that time, the MAP studies on MDMA-assisted psychotherapy and the psilocybin studies were really just taking off. And so I thought I was going to step into working in the legal field of research and such. Um, but I was really looking for my own place in the world and uh, finding a way to do this work in a more of a private practice style, if possible. And, and because it wasn't legal, you know, and I was starting a new family and all of these things, you know, that really wasn't an option for me. Uh, so uh, this was a little before 2014. A f friend of mine, after I graduated from Naropa, I started a psychedelic harm reduction and education program called Medicinal Mindfulness. And now it's a center for medicinal mindfulness. Um, and then in 2014, uh, cannabis was set to be legal in Colorado. And a friend of mine said, hey, uh, you know, I know you're interested in psychedelic therapy. You know, cannabis is a psychedelic. Have you ever considered working with that medicine? And so we started to experiment with it when it became legal and started some group meditation sessions using cannabis as the psychedelic um, activator and we were just totally blown away by the experience it was super surprising uh, you know I was working with my friends and allies at the time as we were exploring it and a friend of mine um, very jokingly said you know Daniel if if I didn't know you and trust you and uh, saw what you put in the pipe I would have sworn you put uh, DMT in that it was so intense of an experience and and that was like the first realization that maybe we were working with something that was surprising and um 
And so the last eight years, I've been honing the skills of working with cannabis as a psychedelic. Um, I started a psychedelic therapy training program um, where we teach something called mindfulness-based psychedelic uh, therapy. And I use cannabis as a psychedelic, uh, as a primary tool, and I teach people all over the country and the world um, how, to, how to work with cannabis as a psychedelic. And uh, most recently, my, uh, my book was republished by Inner Traditions called Psychedelic Cannabis, where I teach people how to um, facilitate their own journey experiences using the medicine. Uh, so, you know, not everybody has access to a psychedelic guide like myself, so I wanted to make it as accessible as possible since uh, cannabis is becoming the most legal psychedelic that we have available. Um, so that's that's the short story of, of my path. Um, and um, it's just been really an inspiring, um, sometimes difficult, but always deeply inspiring process and journey. Amazing, amazing. Great story and very succinct. You got that into a very short section there. So appreciate that. And I really enjoyed you sharing your your, your brief story there with, with myself and the audience. I'd like to kick off, firstly, before we start talking about mindful-based psychedelic therapy, I'd like you to give a definition to myself and the audience of what psychedelic means and what psychedelic is because people would have heard this this term or this phrase psychedelic or psychedelics thrown around but maybe they're not 100% sure what what the actual meaning of the word is so if we could start with a, a, a quick definition of psychedelics and then I'd love to get into the therapy that you do and, and how that that works and uh, all of that stuff. So yeah, let's just start with a definition of, of psychedelics. Sure. Yeah, I think it's important to get clear on the on the terms. Um, so psychedelic means mind manifesting, and another word for it might be soul manifesting. And so a psychedelic is a substance. Um, typical like classic psychedelics: LSD, psilocybin mushrooms, uh, things like that. Uh, ayahuasca are all psychedelic medicines. Uh, DMT um, that elicit a, an experience that is a non-ordinary state of consciousness um, that amplifies our awareness of subconscious and unconscious processes, uh, allows us to tap into our inner emotional experience in a way that might be sometimes difficult, also amplifies our awareness of our body and our felt sense. And then there's a like a hallucinogenic or inner, sometimes inner visual or externally visual component to it, uh, where things are different in the room, um, or you go on a, a sacred journey of discovery um, to the you know it's like the hero's journey, uh, lucid dream states, um, or step into sometimes people describe it as a realm beyond this one, um, spirit world or um, exploration of like a higher state of awareness, a higher dimensional space. And sometimes people list, or go into spaces that are um, akin to death rebirth experiences where they feel like they've died um, and have entered the realm, you know, another realm and then uh, enter the void or the bliss of the oneness of the divine and then gently return to their experience to live further, you know, and learn from it. Um, so it's a it's it's the most evocative like beyond what is life you know real life and death situations or transformational life experiences these are the most intense experiences that um, a person can have in in a lifetime. 
talk to me a little bit more then, Daniel, about the mechanisms of cannabis from a from a psychedelic standpoint, because we've had a cannabis expert on this show before, and he shared some amazing information about cannabis as a, a medicine. But most people, including myself, wouldn't see or wouldn't class cannabis as a, in air quotes, traditional psychedelic, like, for example, magic mushrooms or LSD. And you said a few moments ago that people are having experiences with you using cannabis similar to those of LSD or DMT or ayahuasca. So can you just explain how this is happening and how this is working and what the mechanisms are behind that? Yeah, that's a really great question. And it's something that we're used to addressing with our clientele. It's it, There's a lot of layers to that question. Um, but, you know, short version is uh, there are studies that are showing that uh, THC in the in the cannabis is affecting the 5-HT2A receptor, which is the psychedelic receptor in the body. Um, and that might, there's some, there's some anecdotal evidence, you know, of like cannabis, there's a correlation between cannabis and uh, of, of psychosis in a very, very small number of people. And so there, the, um, the, the scientists are saying that it's because it's affecting this 5-HT2A receptor. Um, so there is a psycho, there is a classic psychedelic uh, neurological mechanism. Um, what we do, and, and the other thing I just like to share to provide some context is that, like the medicine, the cannabis, you know, marijuana, pot, uh, weed that I grew up with. Uh, 20 plus years ago in college and such is radically different than it is now. You know, there was one one version of it called marijuana or pot, and it was basically brickweed, low THC content, probably saturated with pesticides and maybe some CBD in there as well. And now we have what used to be called kind bud. And then beyond that, now it's become like a whole like pantheon of different strains and strain families that all have different physiological psychological yeah so hybrids indicas sativas um and so what we do with our program is we create a blend of different high quality psychedelic or high quality cannabis that is organically grown has an incredible robust terpene profile um and we can talk about terpenes if you're interested um but the 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 blending of the high quality high thc medicine allows for us to create altered states uh, without the commonly associated negative effects of high dose thc like anxiety or nausea Um, so people are able to tolerate much higher doses and go deeper in these experiences um and just to you know elicit most people who've taken ayahuasca say that was just like ayahuasca it reminds me just like ayahuasca a little bit higher dose it steps into like dmt level visuals and such um but i often describe it as like a psilocybin mushroom journey with the emotional support of mdma there's a real heart opening plant-based medicine quality to the experience um, and so there's a lot of emotional support that's uncommon with other medicines. So um, it's great. You know, it's like at this point, it's so reliable. It's like it's super easy to prove that it's psychedelic because we can just induce the experience with with people. You know, it's not it's not it would be just as easy to induce a psychedelic experience as smoking, you know, like or taking a hit of acid or something like that. Um, it's pretty reliable. We have access to great medicine here in Colorado. 
Amazing. Can you just go into some detail on what mindfulness-based psychedelic therapy actually is and how it's facilitated, please? Yeah, so one of the things we, I realized early on was that the cannabis experiences were inducing similar therapeutic states as MDMA-assisted psychotherapy. Um, there's a lot of memory recall in, in a space that feels deeply supported and held and safe. It seems to be activating the same neurological mechanisms in, in the brain as MDMA, and this is called the reconsolidation of memory processes. Um, when we have a traumatic experience, uh, we check out. We have a, you know, like it's a natural tendency. As it's a safety mechanism in our in our bodies and our psyche to uh, fight, flight, or freeze. You know, and, and sometimes we we check out. You know, we don't remember those experiences. And so when we um, work with cannabis in a therapeutic setting, we create a safe container for someone to. Um, uh, allow themselves to return to those memories in a safe and supported space. And we elicit a process of mindfulness practice to allow them to just remember and, and re-experience the um, difficult moment in a, in a way that helps transform it. Um, so we, one of our sayings in our program is uh, awareness with acceptance is the healing process, that just returning our awareness to a process um, that's difficult breathing with it and letting it move through our system people will shake and vibrate they'll tremble as it's happening um, they will have big emotional um, uh, releases as, as they're going through it as they're remembering the experience in a in a safe container so so the facilitation simple but really effective in that we're just creating a sense of safety uh, we're helping them stay regulated so that, you know, so it's not re-traumatizing. Um, medicine is really helpful in that way as well. And we're simply bring, helping them stay with and turn towards whatever is arising. Um, there's a concept in psychedelic therapy called the holotropic principle, um, which is just movement towards wholeness. And so we're, I've just learned to trust that principle of uh, healing and uh, self-healing and self-actualization and awakening. And so our job is to just create a container for that to unfold naturally and, you know, like uh, support when it gets a little rough, you know, or turbulent on the edges, you know, help help clients through those parts to stay with it. Um, it's really evocative. It's deeply meaningful, you know, to be in that space. It's uh, you know, it's like a shared experience to be and be there with them. How does the cannabis-assisted therapy differ to maybe other forms of therapy? For example, breath work or sound therapy. What are the what are the differences, and what are people experiencing? So, for example, if I came to see you and we had a session, how would it be different to maybe those um, more familiar? therapies that that people may have used or may have experienced or may have heard about how what are the major differences you know there's just so much overlap between our work and the therapies you mentioned so music is a huge part of the of the experience i play i live mix a dj live mix um musical journeys to support my clients and i'm able to pick music that supports whatever process they're going through we have some practitioners that bring in live music, um, crystal bowls or drumming and things like that to support the altered states experience. And then um, 
You know, several years ago, I started to experiment combining cannabis-assisted therapies with breathwork practices. Um, so I've been trained in, you know, some different breathwork practices. Uh, and so we have a whole program on what we call cannabis-assisted breathwork, where we're combining the two modalities. And these are breakthrough experiences. These are people having death-rebirth experiences or breaking through really deep trauma that they've been unable to address before. They, they shake a lot. Um, you know, the breathwork, it might be way more vocal. You know, people are be making some noise and releasing through um, expression and such. Um, so it's... it's um, I would say, you know, just cannabis is, it's just an amplifier of consciousness. So in some ways it just makes it the process a little easier and actually doable as opposed to really struggling with it, you know. What are the common issues that you see time and time again, Daniel? Are there any commonalities between the people that you're working with? I know obviously there's going to be a lot of different issues that people come see you with, but are there any particular problems, issues that tend to arise time and time again? Yeah, so our clinic here is that we work with both psychotherapists, we have licensed professional counselors on our team, and we also have um, interfaith ministers who are trained as psychedelic guides. Um, so we work both the psycho spirit, we both like the, th the threads of psycho spiritual concerns, as well as growth edge, um, you know, content. So what's happening now? It's all it's a uh, let's say ninety percent of it's trauma related. Um, you know, most I would say, given my experience, most of mental health concerns uh, stem from childhood trauma or, or difficult life experiences, um, and then depression and anxiety um, uh, will become will become symptoms of that. Uh, and then there's another thread that's really common right now, which is just existential anxiety or a lack of meaning in life, or realizing that um, the job or the profession that you developed and created for your life is just no longer meaningful. And so we have people, most of the time, it's some sort of combination of, of both and of ready to heal, let go of some things that no longer serve, uh, but also really looking for deep meaning in life and, um, and having a professional identity or a life identity that's congruent with uh, meaning and personal values and so those those are the two primary threads that will show up in these uh, journey experiences um, is sometimes we work to clear and get you know clear and make room for new things to come in and then with the holotropic principle um, that uh, awareness of what our deepest desires are our calling is will start to unfold naturally um, and so how do you support uh, that exploration as well um, and then beyond that, we put this within a larger container of a series of sessions with integration support. Um, so, and then the integration support often becomes more like life coaching and helping people um, find ways to transition to more meaning in their lives. That was going to be my next question. What's the what's the carryover like from from these sessions? So, do people just need one session and and they're pretty much cured? Um, or they, they make big changes or do they need a series of sessions? I'm pretty sure that it differs from person to person. But what is the carryover like from a, a session at your center? What kind of impacts and, and results are you seeing? Yeah, at this point, I'm calling them chapter turning experiences. You know, so even imagine just two days working with our clinic. It can be like a whole new chapter, stepping into a whole new chapter in your life. 
so our, our, our basic protocol is two sessions with um, uh, two cannabis medicine sessions um, with uh, preparation and integration support. Um, and then somebody with like, like say severe PTSD or something like that might go through a few of those protocols um, with a little extra support. Um, you know, dealing with big traumas is, is no joke. Um, so usually, but the basic model is two days. Um, the first day people are letting go and clearing and the second day they're stepping into realizations and awareness of their true life purpose and, and, and are getting, with cannabis, it's such a wonderful problem solving tool. They're just getting lots of good ideas of how to bring it into their lives. And so I work with a lot of people who, who fly in, you know, to see me for, you know, three or four days, sometimes a week. We'll do week-long sessions as well. And then I'll check in and make sure they're in a good space and, you know, they're off. They're, they're on a new adventure. And then maybe a year later, I'll see them again and we'll, we'll do it again. Wow, that's amazing. That's, that's really great. Yeah, it's really great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's incredible. I just want to flip back slightly, Daniel, and, and backtrack a little bit and talk about the actual types of cannabis and the blends that you are using. So do you use a set blend or a set type of, of, of cannabis or a strain or a particular strain that you use with, with everyone or does it change and differ depending on what that person's come to see you for? There's more, yeah, right. There's more similarity to the blend than differences. So we start, we, so, you know, so you got to remember this plant medicine, it's a, it's an evolving plant. Um, and so each batch is different. Each, um, each plant and each, uh, harvest is different. And then when you harvest different times of years, the medicine can be different. So, so we're constantly working with what we have available to, to create these blends, but it's not that complicated. Um, uh, <clears throat> I don't know if we want to, you know, dive into that part, but it's basically three different strains. And so we have a, a cannabis consultant that meets our our clients when they get into town at the dispensary and he helps them make a blend with what's available and and it's like it's just generally reliable again we just we just have really good access to good medicines here um so it's usually a, a like a three blend um a street three strain blend and, and we also add we have these hemp derived cannabinoids that are nano encapsulated that uh, we've helped develop that can amplify and deepen the cannabis experience. Um, and then say after the first journey, there might be a theme, you know, it's like, in, um, or I'll, I'll notice something about the blend or their experience. And then we'll adjust the ratios of the three strains, maybe in the second journey, you know, so it's like a little bit of a learning. Uh, it's like a relationship that's developed over time. Um, so, so it's, but most of the time it's, you know, it's pretty much close to the same blend depending, you know, regardless of the person. If there was a lot of like emotional dysregulation or a lot of anxiety, I'd probably add some uh, uh, CBD strains, um, you know, the hemp strains to the blend to help calm the nerves a little bit. You mentioned earlier that when people are having this therapy with you and having these experiences, they're taking a relatively high dose. And I just wondered what's the what's the feedback and what's the reactions from individuals with that? Because I just want to speak from personal experience that every time 
not every time, but a lot of the times that I've interacted with the plant and I've used cannabis, I've, let's say I've not had the best experience. Sometimes I've felt quite dizzy or sick or other times I've just been like completely KO'd, completely knocked out by the, 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 the plant or the medicine. So I just wondered how, how does it work to allow an individual to have such a high dose of it and not maybe feel those experiences or those, those feelings or those effects that I've just mentioned there? Yeah, that's super fair question because that's what most people experience. Like if you eat it too much of an edible, you know, like you're tripping pretty good, but it's uncomfortable. You know, people are vomiting or having panic attacks and things. So that's what people normally associate stronger journeys with cannabis. Um, so, you know, we can we, we, sometimes though with these special blends, people are taking two puffs and are having life transforming experiences. So it's not just about the um, dosage, it's about the, the blend. Um, you know, and we have, we have some rescue medicines like nano encapsulated CBD that can help with anxiety and uh, we can coach people on nausea. So, so when you start stepping into set and setting, right, we're, we design this whole and, and this whole experience to support someone relaxing into the space. And usually what happens is, you know, if somebody's experiencing anxiety, it's because they're in a social setting and they smoked a little too much and they just get really uncomfortable. Here you don't have to talk. You're just invited to lie down and breathe in your belly. And usually it'll be like a, a wave of anxiety will move through. Um, so just as people experience a little anxiety as, a, as other medicines are coming on, you know, uh, same with cannabis, but it's because they don't believe it's a psychedelic it, it's confusing to them, you know, but if you say, oh, I'm almost tripping here. That's why I'm anxious. You can say, okay, what would I do? I would, I would breathe into this. I would allow it to happen. Maybe I go find a quiet place to sit instead of hang out with my friends, you know? So there's ways to coach people through it. Cool. Cool. Makes sense. I want to dive in now to the actual process of, of what a, what a session or what a treatment would be like coming over or coming to your clinic. So let's just use me as an example. Let's say I've got some, some issues that I want to, to work through. I have an initial consultation or call with you. I decide to come over. I fly over to Colorado to see you come for a session. What, what would I experience? What's a, a session actually like? How would it start? How would it happen? How would it end? Uh, what happens in terms of after the the session? Because I know you've mentioned a few things that that uh, that happen already, but I really want to dive into this in in more detail. So, could you explain the actual the process in a little bit more detail, please? Yeah, yeah, super. It's great. Um, so we have all kinds of paperwork, you know, to do this in a legal above board setting. You know, we have a lot of paperwork and informed consent. People meet with a medical doctor to get a, a recommendation to do cannabis assisted psychedelic therapy um, and they get a lot of good questions answered around their physiology and safety and support and I talk with people have multiple sessions on zoom make sure they're you know they're ready and we got a good relationship going and so when you get here you go to the dispensary and meet our ally Britain who is just really kind and, and walks people through the dispensary process and how to purchase it and educate them on 
on what they're, you know, on, on ways to use cannabis to help with any symptoms they've got going on, like sleep and whatnot, um, or, you know, struggling with sleep. And then when they come to see me, I've got, you know, so it's like a psychotherapy office with a beautiful altar and plants and candles going and the, um, the couch is a futon. And so when the person's ready, uh, we'll, we'll make the blend together. Uh, in kind of an intentional way, we'll work with medicine together and I teach them how to do it and I go over all the instructions. Um, and then at some point, um, they're invited. To, we use vaporizers because we're in a, a um, uh, office building. We use vaporizers. Um, and, it, and so we invite the client to take the medicine through uh, meditation or prayer, depending on the person. If I know they're going to take a lot of medicine, I'll do an extended meditation with multiple rounds. But if they're new, I might invite them to just smoke a little bit and see how, you know, and sit in meditation and see how it's coming on. And then at some point, um, they usually say something like, I think I'm ready to lie down. And uh, they put, um, they get comfortable under blankets. Um, music is playing, beautiful music is playing. They may or may not have an eye covering on. And then I guide them through um, a gentle body scan meditation just to help them uh, step into that space and relax the body. And then, at, um, and then after that, there's kind of a choice point. Um, I play music in silence, and they go on an inner journey um, for about an hour and a half. Um, or it's more conversational, and I'm helping, like they're having an experience, and I'm supporting them as they're going through it. They're sharing what they're, what's going on, and, and I'm there to engage the space with them. Um, if it's quiet, I'll sit in meditation and do my own um, personal mindfulness practice to help support their them on their in an energetic way. Um, and then if it's a longer journey, there'll be a break in the middle, a bathroom break, uh, maybe some snacks, and then they'll get to go through a whole other round. Um, so the, the psychedelic experience is generally about three to three and a half hours long. Um, at the end of it, I gently bring them back and we have snacks and they share what they're going through. And, and then generally we'll do it a second time the next day, um, which will be a continuation of the first day. I might bring in breath work on the second day if, if a person wants to or I feel like it would be helpful. Um, and then when they head off, I, uh, we, set up, we already have had Zoom set up times to chat and check in and see how they're doing. And, you know, I just keep working with them until they're ready to... Um, move on and, and, and move on with their life and engage whatever the content or, you know, integrate whatever they went through. Um, you know, and it's just, you know, so usually I, I might see one client in a week. Sometimes I'll just see uh, one or two clients in a, for a whole week. How important would you say it is, Daniel, for a beginner or maybe somebody who hasn't experienced psychedelics or even maybe used cannabis before, they've never had this experience how important is it to have a guide someone like yourself by their side to to guide them through the process i know obviously you mentioned you've you've uh, wrote this book that helps people to to do psychedelics or to do these practices or to do the medicine on their own but how important would you say it is for for a first timer to to have a guide sitter friend you know a friend that has a little more experience you know so in the book i talk about how to work with friends and and 
and, and hold space for each other, you know, who are, who are stepping into this work. I think, you know, like, I think it's super important to have an ally or, or somebody that's not on the medicine to support somebody going through it so they know they're safe and can fully let go um, and to be there if they hit a, a difficult moment. Um, you know, but I, I don't think everybody has access to friends and allies and guides, you know, so I did my best in working with and working with cannabis is way safer than like taking five grams of mushrooms or something, you know. Um, so it's a good first step, right, for somebody who's really new. You can take just a few puffs and meditate um, and, and step into it super slowly. Um, you know, some people like I, I always didn't have the opportunity to have a friend or ally with me. And those private sessions were were very special and um, important in my life, but there were definitely times in those moments that I wish I had somebody that I could uh, ask for support from. So, as a guide and ally, I, I do highly recommend it. Uh, but I also acknowledge that uh, we don't all have access to that. You got to start somewhere. And do you do these these sessions in groups as well? I know, obviously, you do them individual, but do you do them? Do you do them in groups? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And what's what's the what's that like with with groups is it is it different to the individual what what they experience in are they are they vibing off of each other is they different energies because i just want to speak from personal experience i've never done psychedelics in a group setting or a group environment but i have done uh group breathwork sessions and they've been some of the most amazing and most profound moments of my life so i just wondered how it differs working with a group to the individual work that you do yeah it's like you i have this uh, recurring image of uh, like you know oftentimes i'll stand or sit in the middle of the circle keeping an eye on folks and i have this recurring image of us all being on the same boat together you know uh, sailing through a beautiful ocean you know um it's like being on the same ship being on the same experience together and People feel each other's support. Um, and, you know, with breath work, people sometimes will vocalize and such. And that really gives other people permission to let go. Um, you know, it's more, I, I'd say, uh, I started with groups, you know, before I started working with individual sessions. It's, a, you know, slightly different container. I've worked with as many as 60 people in a group um, cannabis session. Um, and, uh, you know, but average can be 12 people. We have a, we have a new group space in our in our clinic now that can hold about 12 folks um our, our, you know for clinical work we try to keep it between six and eight you know to just create a little more therapeutic support for the crew uh the people going on the journey together and uh most people equate it to similar to like a short ayahuasca journey you know people go super deep um they feel supported um, but you, people are mostly in their own experience you know private in their own journey experience and the sitters and guides are there to support. Like I'll, I'll do the same guided body scan meditation at the beginning and bring people back in the end. But it's mostly sitting in silence and enjoying the music and helping people if they if they you know need their hand held or or need some support. You know, um, it's beautiful experience. And uh, you know we're stepping back into it. So again, this is like stepping into the non-clinical areas of this big work. And that um, one of our interfaith ministers, you know, is going to be starting a full moon ceremony bringing cannabis into meditation and you know and and there's other themes that we can do as well um, authentic movement in cannabis uh, art therapy in cannabis is a huge is a wonderful practice um, you know so there's a lot of uh, groups that we're 
we're starting to step into right now. Amazing, amazing. Love it, absolutely love it. What is the research saying then, Daniel, with this type of therapy? Is there any clinical, peer-reviewed research, any hard journals out there that are, that are showing some results and showing some research behind the, this therapy? What, what's the research saying currently, if there is any? Yeah, another really important question. Um, so we're you know, behind the, um, the curve in that way when it comes to other psychedelic medicines. Like I like to think of my work as the pre-research exploration um, with cannabis. So, you know, just as MDMA and psilocybin, now there's like some really great research coming out. We're right on the edge of stepping into that. So there's like, there's research that we can draw upon around the effects of cannabis. Uh, and we can also correlate our experiences with MDMA or psilocybin research. Uh, right now, um, we're, so we, st- we started a nonprofit uh uh, called the Medicinal Mindfulness Institute, I think, and um, we're playing with the name right now. And uh, we want to bring in um, ecology studies and other other important aspects of this work. But a primary focus of the nonprofit is coordinating research on psychedelic cannabis. And um, and so I'm working right now with about six different research teams in the U.S. and Canada, and some private research organizations. Um, and we're designing some protocols, um, and we're also going to coordinate and work to figure out working through the IRB process to get the studies approved. And then um, most recently, MAPS had s- successfully sued the DEA to ensure that there's better grown cannabis for research purposes. That was the primary uh, constraint, is that the the only cannabis in the United States that was allowed to be used for research was so subpar that it wouldn't induce the states that we can with the re- with the medicine we can get at the dispensaries. So there's a ton of hurdles, but we're actively engaging them right now. So that's about where we're at with the research. Interesting, interesting. You also do therapy using ketamine, don't you? Uh, which I find very, very interesting. What's that like compared to the cannabis therapy? Is it the same process? Obviously, there's going to be different effects and and used in a slightly different way. But how how does it work with the ketamine? And I'll be I'll be honest with you, Daniel. It's a it's one substance that I don't know a great deal about. So I'm very interested to see how how you use that uh, that substance, how you use ketamine, and and, and how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, probably it's the most, it's the newest relationship I've had with these medicines. You know, like I'm not, before ketamine, I'm, you know, I'm not a fan of needles and things like that. So it's, that was an edge for me to get over. Um, but so we work with a medical doctor who provides the, generally it's intramuscular ketamine shots. Um, so that's, you know, that's a little different. We also have available lozenges and such. Um, but unlike a ketamine clinic that's using, you know, for pain management or uh, depression only, um, who, and they don't have sitters, they don't have a guide there in the room, they're just getting a shot and sitting there, uh, or they're getting an IV drip and sitting there. Um, we bring our mindfulness-based protocol into the ketamine experiences. So they're a little longer, they're, you know, mu- beautiful music is playing, um, but because it's a different medicine, it's a, a little bit of a different um, protocol. 
ketamine and cannabis they're like in some ways they're opposites ketamine its healing properties are around its dissociative qualities it's like an opportunity to take a break and from um, difficult moments in the body and resets the nervous system it's a very dissociative experience whereas cannabis is more in the body um, it brings you into your body into your somatic awareness so we've created protocols like a week we have a week-long series that um, brings in um, you know, at different times, we don't combine them in one session, but well, it'll start and end with ketamine, and there'll be a couple of cannabis sessions in the middle, um, and that's a really wonderful uh, protocol that we've that we've developed. Ketamine's a great medicine, but it, it needs to be in its right place. You know, um, it's a it's a big medicine. In terms of results, Daniel, and this this might be quite tricky to do because I'm sure you've had so many incredible results and incredible success stories but in terms of results can you maybe share with myself and the audience one to two of the of in air quotes the best results that you've seen that that maybe stand out more than others with with clients that you've worked with sure gosh there's been so many you know i <clears throat> yeah no i mean there's so many you know when people are really struggling they're just their baseline they just want to be able to sleep better they want to feel better in their bodies and they want to have less anxiety or or just feel like their life has meaning you know and um and so oftentimes i'll sit with somebody who is sharing the most difficult experience they've ever had in their lives it might be you know an injury that they've experienced or it might be traumatic death of a loved one you know and and that moment was deeply impactful right they're grieving they're struggling they you know existentially don't understand why it could happen or you know how it happened so they have questions around their relationship to god and the divine you know it's these are really deep moments um and impactful moments some people never recover from a you know a moment like that or an injury and so what happens is um, their symptomology starts to form. They can't sleep well, so that escalates. Uh, it increases their anxiety in their life. Their jobs no longer are meaningful, or they start to like struggle at work and things. The relationships struggle, you know. And so, when you're able to resolve that moment and come to some clarity and acceptance and understanding, all of those um, symptoms begin to change and transform people sleep better they're and because they're able to sleep better they feel better in their bodies they start to eat better um, and the depression lifts or the anxiety drops you know multiple notches sometimes people will continue to have like memory recall and it requires extra support uh, ongoing support um, but you know I you know you know what's interesting theme uh, Ali um, that I'm showing showing up is there's trauma still associated with um, World War II, um, people's family histories of World War II is such a common theme. And to see the trauma, how it played out in generations, there's like this deep intergenerational healing that we're going through. And if you look at the state of the world, I think it you know might be an indication of unresolved war, World War II trauma. Um, you know, the way things are unfolding in the United States and stuff, you know. Um, Gosh, you know, one time a, a woman who, you know, maybe in her 50s or 60s um, had a, remem a memory 
but it was her grandmother's of being hidden in a burlap bag and, and um, escaping Nazi Germany when her grandmother was a small child. And, and this woman re-experienced what it must have been like for her grandmother to have had to go through that. It was just... Yeah, so that's ancestral stuff, almost like ancestral trauma. Ancestral trauma is a huge part of this. It's in our epigenetics, you know, it's in our, it's, it's, in, it's embedded on a cellular level, you know. Um, and so resolving that, I like to think that the healing occurs through the generations, both in the, towards the past and in our future, right? Like heal, heal ancestral trauma, you know, you're, it's a gift to future generations. Um, so, you know, I just have story after story after that. And, and sometimes, though, some of the stories are just so hard to so hard to hear that they're, you know, it's this isn't maybe even the right container to share um, some of those stories. But generally, people just have a lot more acceptance, feel better. And whatever the symptoms, how the symptoms are showing up, they they drop down significantly enough to find resolution and opportunity to move forward, you know. Mm, mm, some amazing stories there and some amazing points that you you mentioned Daniel and there's something that I really want to pick up on and highlight and it was something that you said right at the start of that piece and it's and it's that not all trauma is mental I think a lot of the time we think of mental trauma and things that are going on in the mind but not all trauma is is mental it's physical as well and it's important to realize and I want the the audience to pick up on this that you can have trauma in, embodied in you, physical trauma, and that could be from an accident or a broken bone that's really impacting you and affecting your your day to day life. It's a big thing to highlight, isn't it? Yeah, you know. So, in speaking of how cannabis is different than the other psychedelics, is is in the physical trauma healing. You know, so uh, so let's just take a simple example of a car injury, right? Like that can cause PTSD. It can create a startle response. People can be afraid to get in cars and things like that. But they're also struggling from a physical injury that's like being held in their body. And every time that injury is touched, they have a flashback of the car accident or whatever that is so it's super tender and so cannabis is a in the endocannabinoid system is throughout the whole body right and in the endocannabinoid system uh, the cannabis affects the endocannabinoid system and it literally relaxes the tension in the body Um, and this is how CBD helps with epilepsy in children you know like that shaking and such it it just drops it down um, to a more manageable level or gets rid of it completely um so it's there's something happening on a cellular level and a, and a fascial level in the body uh, deep tissue and so cannabis is um relaxes it and then the practices that we do through the mindfulness therapy uh, allows us to stay with the process and and in that awareness and choosing to relax around it the body will literally shake it out um, that tension that that injury in the body will literally start to release. We call them discharges. So there might be a contraction, a tightness in the body, and then a and then a jolt, a release. And then sometimes it'll jolt, 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 until it clears. And then the injury is resolved. The physical injury is resolved with the psychological injury. Yeah. It's amazing. 
all the while that you're you're sharing this information with myself and the and the audience, Daniel, I'm just thinking how how amazing, how incredible, how powerful your mind is, your body is, nature is, spirit, energy, the universe, how how amazing everything is and how how we can use tools, we can we can use gifts from the creator you could say to to heal ourselves and to heal trauma and I, I i do think that it's truly incredible and that and that life life is a blessing we have been we have been blessed with with a life and we can do so much to to work on our trauma to work on ancestral stuff to to heal ourselves to unlock things and uh I just find it amazing yeah no doubt there is a sense of like divine connection or connection to something greater but it's also it's our natural blueprint is to move towards health and well-being it's move towards self-actualization and we have everything already that we need inside ourselves to do that and cannabis and these other psychedelic medicines are, are activators and tools they they can help support that process but it's just they just they're just the key they uh, they show us who we already are and our potential um, so it's already in our blueprint and and that that's to me the most inspiring part the other thing is it's inspiring is just how resilient human beings are um, uh, you know, like we've been through so much as a as a species and as a as a community, and like to see people thrive even when they're struggling with extreme trauma, is deeply inspiring. And then creating a space where we can just clear that piece out and they no longer have to engage that it just opens up the world to them. You know, and I get to see that over and over again. And um, that's 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 what makes the hard moments worthwhile. You know. Amazing. Okay. I just want to ask probably two or three more questions before we, we wrap things up, Daniel. The first one I want to ask is in relation to integration. And you've spoken a little bit about this and how you you integrate people back into into everyday life or into reality. But what are some of the, the tools that you, you give people for integration and for reintegration and, and to carry on the profound experiences and profound effects that they they would have received from from working with with you and with your with your center and with your therapeutic modalities. Yeah, right. That's so important. Um, so in the very beginning, you know, you just write it down. Get it as much as you can written down about the experience and what you remember, but also how it affected you. Like put yourself in the equation and in, in the writing. So that's something you can go back to again and again. Another great tool is uh, drawing the experience, doing some artwork around it. We call it process art. doesn't have to look good. It's not the point, but it's just getting the image out somehow is helpful. Um, drinking lots of water and self-care, getting good sleep. And then, and then there's a period a post journey where sometimes it's just physical um, exercise um, doing chores around the house, something physical that's meaningful is a nice period uh, where you get to reflect and work through some of the content that's coming out, you know, coming out of the experience. But it's, but we have a list of questions, you know, that we invite people to explore in their own lives, you know, like what's different now, what's possible now that it wasn't before, um, and, then, and then really inviting them to take steps and try it on. You know, experiment with new ways of being, even if it's not perfect, even if they fumble, even if they glitch up and uh, need to start again, you know, just giving it a try is usually 
um, what's what's required, you know. And so you just it's like choosing a different path and and the implications of that. Going on an adventure, you know, how would you engage that? And um, what if life is an adventure? Or what if my life can be an adventure? You know, what a novel idea. Um, so it's like changing the mindset, and from there making choices that are congruent with the the vision that was uh, received, you know. Um, and then we just check in, you know, we provide support, we provide community spaces for people to share, you know, so we normalize the transformational process in a way. Yeah, and I think that that's definitely a huge benefit of, of working with someone like yourself or, or like your center or even having some kind of guide or a sitter or an accountability buddy. Because I think a lot of the time people, they do cannabis or they do magic mushrooms or they do ayahuasca or, or any kind of psychedelic treatment or therapy or using the medicine in whatever capacity it might be. And they have these profound experiences and they don't always know how to integrate these these experiences and these downloads or messages that they've received back in back in their normal life and the the benefits and the experiences sometimes fizzle out for people and they're left with probably just saying or just thinking well i had this one amazing experience one time and that was it nothing else really happened from it other than the the amazing experience at the time so i do think that is a a huge benefit of 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 working with someone like yourself or working with a therapeutic center, the, the, the integration process for sure. There's integration groups now. They're like peer integration groups. They're online. You know, I would really encourage people to keep up with the conversation, you know, like don't, don't isolate yourself or, or make it just a cool thing you did. Let it be impactful, you know? Um, so that would be, I would highly recommend just staying in the conversation the other thing with these other medicines, you know, psilocybin, you know, you shouldn't do things like that so often, right? Like it's a, it's a once every often, so often experience with, with cannabis. It's yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, because it can be so impactful, right? Um, with cannabis, there's a, you know, it's safer to use more frequently so you can develop a relationship with the psychedelic state in a way that, um, is more ongoing instead of sporadic. Um, and I found that to be really useful. And and because of the agency or the plant medicine, just the nature of cannabis, um, it's just safer to use more frequently than the, than the bigger medicines. Um, neurologically, it's safer and whatnot too. So, so I found what I tell people is do the big medicines on occasion, like you said, once a year, once a season. You know, people have different relationships with it. And then use cannabis in the middle, you know, do some shorter journeys in the middle that help integrate, but also help keep the conversation going in your, in yourself. And, and that's been a nice protocol for people. People have gotten a lot out of that. Amazing. Yeah, very, very interesting. I've never considered it like that. I've never thought of, of using the medicines in, in that way. So that's a, a very different and interesting way to, to look at it. Come to come to Boulder. Come, uh, yeah, come to Boulder, and and uh, I'll I'll introduce you to the medicine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I need to uh, get my my plane ticket booked. Just to wrap up, then, Daniel, I always love to give the listeners, the audience, some actionable steps that they can they can put into practice off the back of this podcast episode. 
So there might be people listening to this that think, oh, I really like the sound of, of, of doing one of these experiences or, or having some therapy, having some treatment, um, or even just using the, the medicines. So what would be your, your top tips to somebody listening in uh, to help make sure that they have firstly a, a safe experience, but also uh, a positive and a, a profound and impactful one as well? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I wrote this book for that reason, you know, so everything is in it. To So it's called Psychedelic Cannabis. Um, you can get it on Amazon and, and it's going to be in bookstores soon. So it's, it's, it's really an expensive way to learn everything you need to learn about this work and step into it. And, um, but if people want to come visit us, I would just Google medicinal mindfulness. Um, come, you know, and we'll set up a process to, you know, to get you to come visit Boulder. We also have some online community groups that are doing cannabis circles online that I can connect people to. So that would be a super easy way to get uh, involved. Um, medicinalmindfulness.org. Um, and then we also have a training program, which is pretty extensive, um, where I teach people how to facilitate journey. So a lot of interest in that. And it's a really wonderful community of people. You can find more info on that at psychedelicsitterschool.org. Um, and so that's a little more intensive, but a really wonderful program, right? It's a hybrid model. So we work with people all over the world. It's uh, right now it's online because of COVID and it works really well. Um, so, um, so that's a wonderful way to um, be connected to our program. Great. Awesome. Where can the listeners go, Daniel, to to find out more about you, obviously you've mentioned your website there, but do you have social media and all of that stuff? Yeah, <clears throat> Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. You just Google or search medicinal mindfulness or psychedelic sitter school or psychedelic cannabis. It should be all wonderful ways to connect with us. And um, we have a newsletter so people can get connected that way and stay informed of what's, what's happening and uh, opportunities to share. And then, you know, as we get more... Um, growing up more in this pro process we are starting to step into international retreats with psilocybin and, and other medicines as well so i have a beautiful community of facilitators that um, love doing this work and are really great at it so lots of opportunities to connect amazing amazing that's awesome well we always end my show and my podcast in the the same way daniel and that is with a favorite quote so could you just please leave us with a quote to end the show yeah you know that was a really great question and um and what came up for me was like the very end of my book that i just wanted to to share if that's okay um uh, so you know just to preface this we're just going through big times in the world you know we're all being challenged and uh growing into edges and the unknown in ways that uh, we didn't expect even just a few years ago, you know, so uh, so I wrote all hands on deck practice the crafts, you know, the wild ocean is calling and we're being pulled out of our safe harbors by forces beyond our control. Use what you know, and if you're inspired, call in cannabis as an ally for your own adventure into the unknown. Above all else, I wish you safe travels wherever you go. Thank you so much. Daniel, a brilliant and excellent way to, to end the show with, with that piece from your book. And I just want to say thank you so much for your, for your time today. I've found that absolutely fascinating. And I know the audience, the listeners, the viewers are going to get so, so much value from today's episode. So thank you. You're so welcome. Great talking with you. Stay connected. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And, and just keep up the amazing work. Keep doing what you're doing because it's uh, 
it's such incredible work that you're doing so keep it up man all right appreciate that man whole bunch take it easy that's a wrap on another episode of the kinetic fitness show don't forget to subscribe leave a review and share this podcast episode with your friends family and colleagues until next time peace and love